0: Welcome to the Jazz Shapers podcast from Reya. What you're about to hear was originally broadcast on Jazz FM. However, the music has been cut due to rights issues.
1: This is Jazz Shapers with Elliot Moss on Jazz FM. In partnership with Reya. It's business, but it's personal. In
0: color. Welcome to Jazz Shapers, I'm Elliot Moss, and today we have a very special encore edition of Jazz Shapers. That means, alongside super music from the Shapers of Jazz, Soul and Blues, we're welcoming back a past business shaper, no less than Alex De Pledge, co-founder of both Hassle.com, the home cleaner booking website, and Resi, the home improvement platform, and it's much bigger, you're going to hear all about that, than even Hassle.com was. Alex last joined us in April 2017, so there is a fair amount of catching up to do. The spur to starting both these businesses came from first-hand experience. Alex's friend, now business partner Jules Coleman, couldn't find the local service provider she needed. Alex and Jules launched their online platform, connecting customers with 27 types of local services, later narrowing their focus as hassle.com to reference vetted cleaners. After growing Hassle.com internationally and selling it in a multi-million pound deal in 2015, they had a second major lightbulb moment, while finding their experience of home renovations painfully unsupported. They launched Resi in 2016, an all-in-one home improvement platform covering design, planning, building regulations, and project financing. I came back into business, Alex says, partly because I wanted to prove I wasn't a one-hit wonder, but most of all to carry on this journey of redesigning what work should look like for men and women in the 21st century. Alex to my business shaper here on this encore special as she walked in the door. It was like four years just melted away.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: you're such very charming I am It's such a memorable person. I mean, you're very oh. opinionated, if I recall, or rather, you're, you're vocal.
1: Yeah, and I've also got a quite a broad dialect that carries. So you put all those things together and I'm like a foghorn, basically.
0: <laughs> a very effective and clever foghorn because this, this foghorn in front of me has not created one business but two and exited one already and five years ago set up number two, which was actually, as we look at it, Resi, which I want to talk about a lot today, but but more generally, the I think there's all sorts of things around what government's doing and what private businesses are doing and I know historically you've been very involved in that in, intersection. <laughs> But you only actually spent a year not working between one sale and another startup. Is that about right? I
1: don't even know if it was a year, to be quite honest. We sold July 2015. I left that business Christmas Eve of the same year. It's not even six months later. And then, yeah, the whole of um, 2016, I only didn't work for maybe like four or five months because then I started working part-time at Index Ventures. Um, just, you know, doing a bit of deal flow analysis and generally just mincing around the office, technically.
0: Well, you were called Entrepreneur in Residence. I know. That sounds what? like a proper it's title. It's so
1: grandiose, What does that actually mean? don't know.
0: You still don't
1: know? No, I mean, basically, I used to just go to a few meetings, meet interesting companies, like, chat to the guys who were like, super smart. I mean, it was great for me because it, it gave me a chance to sit on the opposite side of the table. So instead of being, like, invested in, I was considering what investments Index might make. And that was really interesting to see the way those guys, you know, thought and and just see a broad variety of businesses that I wouldn't have like had a chance to because I'm very consumer focused. So I did that. And I think broadly, the idea of an entrepreneur residence is you sort of think and come up with another business. (laughs) You just do it inside someone else's business. But so I guess in that sense, I was very successful because Resi did come out of that time of sitting in Index's offices.
0: And before the sitting in index offices bit, at that time when we met, you'd exited from hassle.com. Yeah. Just remind me about hassle and how you got down from the massive focus of what hassle.com was about to a very singular one. Is that a general theme in your in your life now as an entrepreneur, someone who's done this a few times, that actually the focus is what makes things work?
1: Yeah, and I mean, I can come on to like how that differs at Resi. Um, But yeah, I think ultimately when you lose focus, that's when things always go wrong. Um, So with with Hassle, we we broadly wanted to be a marketplace, a bit like Amazon is for goods. We wanted to be that for services. But like local services, like, you know, tutor, gardener, um, cleaner. So we had like 20 different services when we first started. And it's really hard to understand the consumer problem 20 times I mean it's hard to figure out once but to try and do it for every single service and then market and speak to that I think we were just very naive and it was a really a light bulb moment when we looked at our web traffic and what was actually converting on the site we found that you know one in four customers were searching for a cleaner we didn't have any cleaners because they're really difficult to come by because they exist in the black market and even now it's still true and that was like the oh well Uh aha moment you know people need good cleaners they're difficult to find let's build a solution that tackles that and you know it doesn't sound very revolutionary now we sit here in 2021 and everyone's getting ubers everywhere but you know back in 2011 when we first started there wasn't, you know, the iPhone was in its infancy. Do you remember when you used to get zero and E before you got 3G? I mean, that's like how long ago it was. So, you know, at the time, having a platform where you could book a person to come to your home and do a said thing was, was, I swear, quite innovative.
0: <laughs> well, I want to talk about innovation and the pressures on the innovation world to come up with new stuff, especially with the technology and the speed of technology as we've been witnessing in that 10-year period. Alex, the Pledge is my business shaper. She's back for more. Four years after we first met, and you were an MBE then, which we just discovered. You'd already been made one. Mm. You you were doing a lot at the time, apart from being busy running businesses and and all that, and focusing and pivoting and all the clever things that end up meaning that you get a you know you you get to enjoy your life after you stop being <laughs> on the merry-go-round. You were doing a lot of things, which which I think struck me then and it strikes me now again as as talking about being you being interested in the world and people beyond making a buck so the things like entrepreneur residence we talked about though that's more commercial the chair for the coalition for digital economy back at the time you were a board member of the sharing economy the uk and i remember um, i think what you said then was look we're trying to educate the civil service uh, we're leaving the european union which of course in at that time in 2017 was happening now it's happened we're going to need to be ready and the civil service need to understand business and i've spoken to a number of people sitting where you're sitting now about the interface between government and between business we're now in 2021 we were just mentioning technology and its pace the government produced a white paper in the summer on innovation Everyone is talking about the next thing, whether it's crypto, whether it's AI, whether it's data science. Where are you in all of that, you personally, Alex, now in relation to how you feel and how invested you are in still trying to make the government understand what great policy looks like for entrepreneurs?
1: Look, I'll be really honest. I I absolutely 100% withdrew sort of 2017 onwards from that world. Really, I, kept, I think because I just got exasperated and realised that the, the challenge was so much greater than me and like, what could I actually achieve? And I actually instead refocused my attention more, uh, more locally. So I ended up joining Sadiq Khan's business board, so the London Leap um, or LEP, which is basically essentially, out, there's lots of them all over the country and they're there too encourage good growth and you get you know a budget every year and you invest it in capex and revenue type projects to drive growth and and community and cohesion and things like that so I joined that board I actually left um, in March this year before Sadiq got re-elected and I really enjoyed that, actually, because it was apolitical. Like, I know the Sadiq's a Labour man. It doesn't really matter what you think about Sadiq. But what I liked about that board is it was 50% business, 50% politicians or local councillors. But everyone had the same mission. And it really was to make London a better place to live and do business. And so I can walk around London now and, you know, go down to Battersea or down into Peckham and point to theatres or mobile kitchens or small community projects that we funded and it felt really good. Mm. So I spent my time doing that to be quite honest because it felt like and I still and I feel like we're just coming out of it now it felt like we needed that whole Brexit thing to wash through. Do you know what I mean by that? Just like kind of let everyone get it out of the system. Mm. Stop being so bitter and divided, whatever side of the fence you were at, and like then come back around the table and like let's actually focus on the UK. Sadly, that kind of got lost when COVID hit because then we got another crisis. So the, the reason I say this now is I feel like hopefully there are no more crises coming our way and we can get back to governing like and you know the things, the structural things that actually matter, like the NHS, like infrastructure, like building houses. You know better planning, better education, because that stuff basically is frozen since two thousand sixteen and that's what five years ago that's a long time to miss out
0: but Alex, the conversation we're having what you're saying now is all about how important it is to you that government governing is done properly, that you can make a local impact or you can do whatever you want. You still to me have a very public oriented view of the world. many entrepreneurs will just say, "I do my thing." And i 'm very happy, and my business has a purpose, and I will go and do it. This is much broader where i don't remember asking you at the time it 's quite hard to remember a conversation mm-hmm. four years ago, but I relatively good memory where does that publicness come from in you? Where do you think who inculcated it in you
1: um I don't really know. I just think I've always had a really, really strong sense of fairness. i um, like what is right and wrong, and I guess as I was doing hassle and then onwards, you start to realise that if you have a slightly public platform, you're wasting it if you don't use it. But also you're you're being a quite selfish person if you don't use it for a better end. And, and to be quite honest, money has never, ever driven me. But making something better does drive me. And so everything that I've done, I've done it with some sort of social purpose. With Hassle, bizarrely, you know, you can kind of say how exciting can you get about cleaning? But for me, it was really all about... The vast majority of people who clean in the UK and the world over are women. The vast majority have children and find it hard to work and and maintain some sort of childcare. Um, And they're living, you know, on on minimum wage. So for me, it was all about creating, you know, a fruitful, safe environment that they could operate outside the black market. So they, they were safe and they were getting regular income. With Resi, for me, it's, you know, I love this every time i open the paper somebody's commenting on the fact that we don't manage to build 250,000 new homes in the uk and i want to scream and i mean this it's not about new homes there are 26 million existing homes in the uk that no one seems to care about and yet they are one of the heaviest emitters you know 40% of our emissions come from our homes because they're leaky they're old that's more than the airline industry, and yet we're going on about the airline industry all the time and the carbon emissions. So that's the first thing. The second thing that I found absolutely fascinating when I started Resi is there wasn't one data-driven or scientific investigation into what makes a good design of a home. So not not does it look good, not is it valuable to be, you know, cheap and, and sturdy and safe, but actually like... How do you make someone's home a happy place to live? Like, enhance their well-being, get the right amount of public and private, tranquil and social space, light, all of that. There just wasn't anything done on it. And that made me think that, like, we're not building very good houses at the moment. So do I care about the 250,000 that we don't seem to build every year? Not really, because they're not up to much cop. But I do think that we should focus on refining and reforming the way and the design of houses, including the existing stock, so that... Because they stand for 150 years, and if we're getting them wrong now, that that building's going to be around for a long, long time. And so uh, that's my mission with Resi, is to bring good design to homes up and down the country that people actually enjoy living in. Because I think that if I could say that, even if I just changed 2% of that housing stock, I feel like that's a fairly decent legacy to leave behind.
0: She'll be doing that by 10 o'clock. Stay with me for much more from my business shaper on this encore special with the incredibly outspoken and articulate Alex de Pledge. And she's coming back in a couple of minutes. Don't go anywhere.
1: Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business it's personal
0: all our former business shapers await you on the jazz shapers podcast and indeed you can hear this very program again if you pop jazz shapers into your podcast platform of choice or if you've got a smart speaker you can ask it to play jazz shapers and you'll be greeted with a taster of our recent shows but back to today's guest alex Depledge pledge returns and boy it's been quite a return already <laughs> she was last with us in april 2017 she's the co-founder of both hassle.com the home cleaner booking website and resi the home improvement platform you're quite passionate that passion.
1: I feel like that's an accusation. <laughs> I feel like yes. I'm at school, Elliot. Yes. I've got a D now, on my report listen, card. I'd
0: like to talk to you about your recent behaviour. Um, <laughs> you've still got the fire in the belly. I mean, that again. Where Where is it from? It's not. Uh, it's really focused on big issues. We've just you've just traversed housing. You talk about <laughs> local impact versus doing other stuff and floating around. We've talked about public spiritedness. You talked about entrepreneurs can be selfish if they don't use that platform where's that energy come from do you think I mean do you wake up in the morning and go right is it ongoing is it like a a, a sort of a voice saying what we're going to do what we're going to do what needs to be fixed
1: oh my god this feels like therapy because I actually don't know the answer to your question I don't think I've ever asked myself like why I just know that if I do things it's I do them 100% or I don't do them at all and you know I have two little kids that um so I've got a six-year-old and a three-year-old, and if I'm going to get out of bed and leave them every single day, because it is still harder for women to go to work. I, I don't know what we do. All the subtle signals that we send in society to kids that, mummy's the person that you need when you're ill, and like she, my kids never give my husband a hard time about like not being that. Like you're laughing because your kids are exactly the same. It's just it always so it always is the woman. You know, mummy, why are you the boss? Like what a question. So if I'm going to get up and I'm going to leave the house and and give something my all it has to mean more than money or mean more than my own success it's got to be for a wider or greater purpose otherwise it would be so much easier to just stay home and look after the children um so much easier than trying to juggle everything because it's it, I find it really hard work and very exhausting as any woman who who tries to to do that will but I don't know it's just there I guess I
0: guess'm I, guess I, I would laugh because of course I think that you're right <laughs> and however and it's not it's not right that you're right, but you're right, however good a dad you might be. I think you're absolutely right that children do do that, and it's it's through your actions right it's through the the roles that, that we play you've talked a lot about that generally, and you talked about you touched on cleaners being ninety nine percent women and and so on. Have you seen a shift at all positively towards Genuine gender equality, or at least equity, has there been a change?
1: Uh, I mean, look—if you look at the the funding stats, no. You know, less than three percent of venture capital went into female-founded businesses last year. I'm one of the lucky ones, I guess. But you know, so the stats would tell you no. I think for me, though, I think the the argument becomes a bit too polarized and a bit too simplistic, and it's a lot more nuanced. You know, I've never in my life felt that I couldn't do something that I wanted to do. I've never felt that a man has held me back. I've never felt that I couldn't attract the right employees or the right level of funding or, you know, I I was existing in a man's world. I've never felt that. But the one time that I do feel like I really have struggled and I see lots of other women struggle is like when you choose to have children. You know, it speaks volumes that until Jacinda Ardern had a child in New Zealand, there'd be no real female leader not Nicola Sturgeon not Angela Merkel that had had children right it, it's it seems to be this choice you have to make and so it is the one thing that I really try to do at Resi is create a very positive parenting environment where both men and women get equal maternity and paternity leave because I think that until we give men a seat at the table and may, and and have you know 50 50 share of child care but more than that stop seeing the woman as the primary caregiver then I think this this is always going to be a very difficult game for women to, to traverse just by that single factor. Not because we're a weaker sex, not because, you know, men are more powerful or stronger, but just from the simple fact that raising a child takes a lot and if you're the main one at the table trying to carve out a career at the same time, it's just, I've seen so many people really want it and just give up in the end because it is so so difficult and i I guess i'm really lucky in myself because my husband's incredibly supportive of of what i do and he's quite happy for me to have the big job um so yeah i feel lucky but i know there's lots of other people out there that really do struggle
0: and I know we talk about big issues here and, and I know we, we should be talking in much more detail about resi and I, pro- <laughs> I promise we will, but you know, it's not our, just, our
1: business, Or business? Broadly. Or just,
0: but it, but it is broadly things because these issues that we're talking about, you talked about a societal issue or a commercial issue at uh, fixing the 26 million houses which, which emit 40% of our carbon dioxide and, st- and we're talking about men and women. These go to the heart of how business operates and our, the relationship with mm. government and so on. Just in your case, you said you've been very lucky and your husband's very happy for you to have the the big job. How else do you manage? What are the practical things? If if someone's listening who's in your shoes or is thinking about doing their own thing and they're a mum, what, what is it beyond obviously having a supportive partner that makes it work?
1: I mean, I think for people in that position, the one thing that I would say is do it before your maternity leave. I often see people kind of, you know, they work their job. They're not loving it. They don't know how they're going to make it work when they come back with children. And the answer is they won't. And so they probably won't come back after maternity leave. And then they think that, you know, in the fog of having a kid that they're going to think clearly and be able to start their own business and it do not work like that. So I think... Before you start to have a family, if you think you can't make it work in your current job, you really need to think about what changes you need to make prior to having that child, not once you've got the child has arrived and you're not sleeping and all the rest of it. It's a bit like anything. Like if you're going to go on holiday, plan it. If you're going to start a business, plan it. It's the same with maternity leave, plan it. And so I think that's, that's my, the number one thing. And I think you need to have that conversation really, really early with whoever your partner is about how that's actually going to work. Not in theory, not in a, oh, should we be 50-50, but in a, okay, let's get out a spreadsheet, who's doing what. And I think that's, the, you know, that's how you hold people. Look, a marriage is just like a business you need KPIs, you need a plan, right? It's just, it's true. Like, it needs yeah. to be written down so people can't renege on things. And that's just, I mean, it did makes me sound... Did you do this, sound, though? Did you do yeah. this with... Did you? Oh, my God, my therapist told me to do it. Genius woman. Um, it, you solved so many things. And so, like, I know you're laughing at I me. Mean, like, oh no, God, I'm she's not. Like, I'm amazed is she because... Is even spontaneous? No, but, and... I, 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 but the, thing,
0: the thing, the reason I'm laughing is not because it's not a good idea. It's because It's because most of us bump into life and then you end up, you know, you haven't had that conversation Mm-hmm. And you haven't actually done a proper, you know, the rigor that you go through to go into business with your business partner or to employ somebody is generally not the rigor that you go into when you're looking for a life partner, someone that's going to, you know, share children with you. And that's why I think it. You're right. Plan it, whatever, it, whatever it is. Of course, you're spontaneous. I mean, I wouldn't doubt it for a second. <laughs> the Resi business, the Resi <laughs> business, and all these different pieces of it, as you said, that the gaps, whether it's the project financing or whether it's the using technology to design a place which has actually got enough light. And, and things are facing the right way mm. and it gives you all that. That's taken time to build, right? That's not what you came up with day one. No. And how have you then found those things out as you've gone along the way to construct what is now Resi?
1: We follow the consumer on this one, actually. I'm um, So, you know, originally I was the consumer, I did this side return and it wasn't that bad, but it was very long and non-visual and not very clear what everyone needed to do or what the process was and and so you know I kind of said to Jules I was like this is an industry that is geared up very much for big elaborate commercial retail big buildings that's what architects enjoy doing they enjoy doing the fancy big bold award-winning projects they don't really enjoy doing the basements the lofts the sides and there wasn't any investment in it and it's shown right You know, the productivity levels in that sector have been the same since the 1950s. So it's, you know, 70 years worth of not much improvement and not much innovation. And so we just started really small by saying, right, if you're buying or selling a home or you have a home, what do you want to know about it? You want to know, is there any latent value? So what could I do? How much will it cost? Do I need planning permission and how likely am I to get it? And what will it be worth Afterwards. So we just started with that very simple concept and did a lot of conceptual designs just to help people bring their ideas to life. And from that, people came back and were like, oh, I quite like my design. Can we get planning? So then we became like the agent of records. So we started applying for planning around the country and we're now the second largest user of the planning portal behind savills who do all their research through it. And then after that, people were like, well, great. Now I want to build it. So I need some technical drawings, which is your Breg's packages, your building regulations. So then we started doing that. And that's the bit that's a bit dodged, right? Because, you know, that's when uh, you can get sued if you don't do a good job. So I was a bit nervous about that. But, you know, it turned out that was fine too. And we just, you know, we digitized the journey, we made it quicker, we made it slicker, we made it hopefully more transparent so people couldn't understand and very visual so you could see the space and experience it. And then people were like, well, that's great, but now I need to build it. Do you know any good builders? So that's where the like, marketplace came from, right, where you basically, the the five people you need to get build ready, your contractor, your structural engineer, et cetera, et cetera. So we built that. And then I realized about two and a bit years ago that 85% of people who came to Resi They needed to finance it in some way, right? You know, not many people have like a hundred grand lying around in savings. And also, there is a dance between what you can afford and what it's going to be worth. And the best people to advise on that are are us because we've got the data. So that's when we set up our own resi finance arm, which does, you know, mortgages, remortgages, bespoke financing, build loans, all that kind of thing. So we kind of try to become very much like a full service suite for people who don't do this very often like 92 percent of the people we interact with on a monthly basis have never done this before so they're really looking for that person that they can trust and and that can show them what that journey looks like and how much it's going to cost and like what they could do and And that's really the whole premise of resi it's not really about architecture it's really about people's homes and making them fit for purpose and the pandemic has shown that highlighted that even more than ever that the home is this like sacrosanct place where we retreat to and we need to feel safe and it needs to be multi-purpose multi-generational multifaceted. and our homes right now are not that and so you know that's what we try to do and that's the mission i guess
0: that is the mission, and that is how you build a business. You follow the consumer, as Alex was saying. Much more coming up in my final chat with her, I hope. It's Alex to pledge. She's my jazz shaper, business shaper, encore today. We've also got a great tune from American saxophonist John Handy. That's in just a moment. Don't go anywhere.
1: Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal.
0: My business shaper, my encore special, Alex to pledge. She's the co-founder of Resi. And it sounds like you know what you're doing. And you <laughs> sold Hassle.com way, way back in the day. You've got lots of plaudits, Alex. And um, I haven't seen you for a while, but it sounds like you've you sort of kept your head down as mm. well for the last few years. So I'm just going to big you up for a minute. Financial Times, 30 UK female entrepreneurs to watch a couple of months ago. Computer Weekly's 2021, most influential women in UK tech and business leaders 2021, top 32. That's a very specific number. Isn't it? Isn't that weird? Why, why you? Lucky you weren't 33. <laughs> top 32 female tech leaders in the UK. And of course, you got your MBA back in 2016. Doesn't matter, right? You don't care about this stuff. What's the truth? Is no. it nice to be recognised? Is it nice to see your name there with other influential people?
1: It is isn't. it isn't. Like, look, everybody's got ego and we treat egos as if it's a really bad thing. I think you do need a bit of ego to do anything, right? And it's not a bad thing. So it's nice, I'm not gonna lie, but it's also not nice because I, I definitely have to hassle. There is a lot, you know, there's a lot of people that won't give you the time of day before, and then suddenly, like, you know, you sell a business, you're in the FT or the times or something, and everyone wants to be your mate, and you're a bit like, uh, just feels a bit disingenuous. And um, to be honest, I'd rather get thanked by an employee. <laughs> <laughs> and I would yeah. have my name in the paper. Um
0: but but cause... you've done but but that reputation you've built the fact you've done it before we talked about the fact only 3% of businesses are that are run by uh, all 3% of all funding is wi- yeah. women led businesses which is yeah. a ridiculously terrible a ridiculous number beyond that you're that one though you're another one because you you've done it before surely there's the 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 the, the plaudits and the recognition externally must drive the self belief that you have are you a more confident person now than you were when you set up your first business or is that an illusion no, as well
1: to think i'm less confident i think the more you know sometimes the worse it is right mm. <laughs> um and and the plot it. it's like you know what that's good for is 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 showing the way. I think unless you can see it, you can't be it. And so I've always felt a bit of this like reluctant. And Jules definitely does because she really does not like to talk in public or anything. But you know we I guess we've got a duty to pass the baton to the next generation and you know pull the next girls up or women up behind us. And so that's kind of what that stuff does, I think. But in terms of do I need it? Is that what you asked me? Do I need it? Or do
0: you feel more? Do you now feel more confident? Do I feel more confident? Yeah.
1: Um, God no. Like, that's the thing. You go to these events and you meet other business uh, leaders and it's always the same. You're always like, oh, how's business going? Oh, it's great. And I'm just not like that, right? Because business is never great. There's always something on fire. I always feel like I'm out of my depth and I'm making it up. Um, and I think everybody does. Like, the best advice my mum ever gave me, bizarrely, right? And my mum's not, a you know, she's never run a business or anything, but she just said, to me, when I was about fourteen, the minute that you learn that everybody else in the room's pretending, you'll you'll be fine. And and I have to rem- I hold on to that a lot because most of the time, no, I I definitely feel out of my depth. And and Resi is a much bigger business than Hassle ever was, um, which is you know um, saying something because because Hassle was quite big. Um, and I genuinely am, um, I'm terrified on a daily basis, especially because the last two years, I mean, i have been like no other. Right, you know, I, you think about Brexit was actually a walk in the park compared to last year with COVID. And actually what is bizarre is I've actually found this year really, really, really hard, much more than COVID. Because COVID was like, (laughs) lock everybody down, everything stops. And you're like, okay, right, so conserve some cash. Don't invest, you know, work out. That was actually relatively simple to get through compared to this year. You know, this year... March onwards went bonkers once we got the roadmap. It was like we went from having, you know, 100 applications per open job role to having one. Like, I mean, the contrast was that big. Like, the labour shortage just came out of nowhere. Didn't expect that. Did not expect inflation. Did not expect energy prices to go through the roof. And did not expect supply chain issues. You know, like... Windows right now are currently on like a six to eight month lead time. Like, you wouldn't believe it, would you? Like a sofa is on a six month lead time. Like And this stuff is not going to ease up quickly. It's going to be 12 months more. So do I feel more confident? God, no.
0: In that environment, just before I go to your son, <laughs> I mean, you're, you're absolutely right on every, everything you said. It makes perfect sense. And sometimes the more you know, and then the more thrown at you, the less you feel like you're capable of doing it. Very briefly, how do you cope with all that uncertainty, with not having the answer, with knowing? And I totally agree with you that... The more I work, the, the less I think I know and the more I feel like I've had to make it up because it's a new thing and it feels like the, the changes keep coming. The developments keep coming and yet you're meant to come up with and lead people through that. How have you maintained some level of sanity? And what would you advise people to do in order to just hang on to that?
1: I think you have to build a support network. And I don't mean like friends, family. I mean like a specific person for a specific thing. Oh God, I'm so I'm so going to walk out of here and be like, oh my God, that girl lives her life by a spreadsheet. I don't. But I do believe like everyone should have a therapist. Everybody should have a business coach everybody should have someone that helps them organise their life whether that is a housekeeper a cleaner or like you know an EA at work or whatever it might be and look I'm speaking from a position of privilege like I don't sit here thinking that you know everybody can have these things but I mean you know if you're asking how does a businesswoman cope you're gonna have to have these things and then you need people that you go to like so you might have someone that's like your commercial mentor you might have somebody that's your, your kind of people mentor but you kind of you pick off that list I got a chair I appointed Tim Weller as the chair of Resi at the beginning of this year and that has been absolutely monumental for me in terms of like a support network so you you just have to think about what are the five things that you need that you are not sure about and then you go and find a specific person for that and that might be paid or unpaid but you it's not like a generic thing it's like oh I've got my friends yeah of course you need your friends but you need people in all areas of your life to cover your blind spots
0: I need to do many of those things um thank you so much (laughs) it's been fab having you back thanks Um, for having me back Elliot I've really enjoyed it it's brilliant it's brilliant and I think a lot of people will get a lot of value from that and i was going to say inspiration but i don't want to just throw words around like that but maybe they will get that too <laughs> uh, just before i let you go uh, what's your song choice and why have you chosen it
1: okay so maybe not strictly jazz but you guys are quite loose on this and this is one of my favorite songs um which is janice joplin mercedes-benz and i sing this to my little girls every night before they go to sleep
0: janice joplin with mercedes-benz the song choice of my brilliant encore business shaper today alex to pledge she absolutely, in everything she said, exhibited her strong sense of fairness, including how she treats parents, positive parenting environment she wanted to create in her business, and her overall conversation around gender and the importance of much more equality. She talked about building her business by following the consumer, how Resi has built up its various elements of what it offers. Importantly, on a personal level, plan it. Whatever you're doing, plan it properly. Get the support that you need. Be very, very strategic about what it is that that looks like, whether it's a business coach, whether it's a therapist, whether it's someone to help at home. And finally, the words of advice from her mum don't forget that everyone else in the room is pretending that they know what they're doing. Really good stuff. That's it from me and Jazz Shapers. Have a lovely weekend.
1: Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondareya. It's business, but it's personal.